Ben, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you guys here. Welcome to church and welcome to a new year, 2022. Um, it's a lot warmer in here this week. Amen? Yes. For those of you who are streaming last week at home, all right, it was like, uh, what was it, 22 degrees in here, 32, something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but it's a lot warmer this week and we're praising Jesus that you're here with us this morning. Uh, if you could open up your Bibles to Matthew 6. We'll be reading verses 5 through 8 together. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. We're continuing our sermon series, Praying Like Jesus. And so Alex Owens did a great job kicking us off last week with this sermon series on prayer. We're going to be studying prayer as a topic for the month of January. And so we've got this week and then three more weeks of prayer. And it should be a wonderful, wonderful study together uh, studying the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and that's where we're going to be this morning. So let's start in verse 5 and read through verse 8, and then we will pray and uh, dig right in. So starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing grace and your mercy to us. Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for everybody who's here this morning. God, we thank you and we bless your name. Lord, we have struggled this week against sin. We've struggled with circumstances. And yet, Lord, for those of you, for those who know you as Savior, God, we have looked to you and you have brought us strength. And you have provided from your infinite sources of grace the ability to not give up in the midst of the trials. And Lord, we bless your name for that. And God, for many of us, we are looking forward to a new year. We have no idea what this year is going to bring. But God, we want to begin our year on our knees in prayer. Lord, so many things are outside of our control. And yet prayer is the vehicle by which we connect with you and we connect to brothers and sisters in Christ. So Lord, may you bless your word. May you build up every single believer in this house. And Lord, we ask that you would save any who do not yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Can we get the lights real quick? That'd be great. Thank you. Awesome. There we go. Let there be light. One more. One more. Yep. There we go. All right. And all God's people said and illuminated. Amen. All right. So Matthew 6 is where we're going to be. And the sermon series again is praying like Jesus. Okay. Now we're going to be talking about prayer all month. My heart's desire and prayer as your pastor is that we as a church would learn to love prayer. 
Some of you love prayer already. Some of you are kind of distant friends with prayer. All right, wherever you're at in the scope, we, I'm praying that our church as a whole would learn to love prayer and would embrace prayer as a consistent practice in our lives. I'm praying that we would commit to pray like Jesus prayed. Now, if you know much about Jesus' life and ministry, he was very committed to prayer. In his life, in his ministry with others, he was very committed to it. And even now, Jesus is committed to pray. Did you know that? Jesus is right now interceding before the Father for you and me when we weekly send out our prayers, daily send out our prayers. Jesus is there interceding and he's saying, okay, XYZ member of Living Waters is praying and I'm going to intercede, Father, before your throne for them. Even now, Jesus has a ministry of prayer. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but we have an awesome prayer team at this church. And I just want to give glory to God by saying thank you to them. They met this morning at 6.30 in the morning in this building to pray. Zach Maleko, Susie Grismore, Ruben Rosekopf, Derek Van Wyk. These are our leaders in prayer. They meet at 6.30 in the morning. I don't know what you all are doing at 6.30. Maybe you're groggy, maybe your alarm's going off, they're praying, and I know as a pastor, I so appreciate what they're doing, I need this team. We need this team to be praying and interceding for us as a church and for me as a preacher. Uh, We have a fasting and prayer team that gathers once a quarter. If you want to fast, that means like give up food for a day, day and a half, all right? I, I know that that's hard to imagine, you can do it. But coming in, fasting, praying, saying, God, we need you this much. I'm willing to go into voluntary pain so that I can pray about the things that are really on my heart. And then we have a steady stream of prayer requests that go on every week in the Planning Center Online prayer group team. There's always a message going out about some new prayer request, and we praise God for that. But prayer, what a topic. I mean, how do you think about prayer? Some of you are petrified of the topic. Some of you are like feeling guilty right now because you feel like you don't pray enough in your life. And I would just encourage you, no matter where you're at, prayer is simply this. It is talking to God. Amen? It's talking to God. It's like he's your best friend, right? You got to talk to God. And, And it's talking to God. It's being honest with God about what's going on in your heart what's going on in your life, what's happening with you. And it's, it's a way of worshiping God, giving him worth for who he is. Okay, so prayer is, in a sense, a declaration of dependence. Okay, we have the declaration of independence in the United States that we love and we memorize all these things. Declaration of dependence is what prayer is. It's the exact opposite. Prayer is declaring to God, I need you. I'm not strong enough to do this. I need this answer to prayer. And John Piper said it this way, prayer is the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. It's the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. And let's be honest, the state of prayer in the current American church context is fairly sad and weak. Most confessing Christians in America today pray less than five minutes a day. That is a living rebuke of us as Christians. Some of us pray more than that and we ought not feel 
super spiritual, like our righteousness is somehow better because we pray more. But the, the, the ongoing commentary of American Christianity today is that we are engaged in less prayer, not more prayer. Prayer bubbles up into our lives often during crisis. When we're in crisis, we pray. When we have a major health need, we pray. We ask people to pray. But oftentimes we don't take spiritual things as seriously. If it's not health driven, we're normally not praying because we're not convinced it's a real need. Such as the salvation of your neighbor's. Or the salvation of that family member that you're really hoping gets saved? Or how about a spiritual breakthrough with your kids or your grandkids? And you're, you're just like not as convinced that that is a big deal to pray about. And sometimes we don't know how to pray. And so I, wherever you're at in the scope of things, Jesus addresses this topic of prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. And he gives his disciples life-giving truth about prayer. You're not very much unlike the disciples if you're asking Jesus, how do I pray? How am I supposed to do this? What, what, am I, what do I need to know? You're not unlike the disciples. And Jesus addresses his disciples and he addresses us in Matthew chapter 6 and he gives us life-giving truth. And that's the big idea this morning. Jesus gives us life-giving truth about prayer. And we're going to look at five truths about prayer this morning and we're going to apply it into our own lives Truth number one about prayer is the habit of prayer. Verse five, and when you pray, Jesus starts verse five with the phrase, when you pray. All right, the word pray there is used 93 times in the New Testament. And Jesus is expecting his listeners to pray and talk to God as a habit of their life. To pray means to earnestly request or to ask or in some senses, beg. And God values people who have a habit of praying. Okay, Jesus expects his followers to pray habitually when you pray. Now, this is seen in Jesus' own life. Let's look at this. Jesus himself prayed in Luke chapter 5 verse 16. But when Jesus himself would often, do you see that word? Often he would slip away to the wilderness and to pray. So if you're talking about Jesus, he often got away to pray. It was a habit of his life to get away and pray to God the Father. And you and me might say, if it's good enough for the Son of God to pray habitually, it's good enough for me. Amen? Right, if it's good enough for Jesus to do it, don't think that you're above your master in your need to pray habitually. And what about Peter? The apostle Peter went and prayed. In Acts chapter 10 verse 9, he went about the sixth hour to pray on the top of a housetop. Peter, it was his normal habit to pray. So the early church father, Peter, prayed habitually. And if it's good enough for Peter, right, it's probably good enough for us to have a habit of prayer in our lives. Okay, what about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul prayed, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. In Colossians 1, Paul is saying, I'm praying all the time for you, church at Colossae. I'm praying for you often. And if it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, we could say with confidence, it's good enough for normal Christians like you and me who have a lot more needs than the Apostle Paul had as far as like need for discipline, need for growth. 
we need to have a habit of praying as well. What about the church? The church prayed in Acts 13 verse 3. When they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. The church had a habit of fasting and praying for the the men of God and the women of God in the church, the movement of God, the mission of God. The church was constantly fasting and praying as a habit. So Jesus is assuming that we will pray. He says, when you pray. He's assuming that this is going to be a habit in our lives. So my question, as we close up the first point of this message is, how are you doing? How are you doing with your habit of prayer? How many of you are praying daily, right? How many of you are praying multiple times a week? Only you can really answer that question. And here's, here's what I want to, to tell you. Our church can only grow if all of us are praying together. Amen? This is not some superhero pastor job. This is not some superhero prayer team job on Sunday mornings. Like, okay, I'm glad they're praying for me. I think that'll cover me. I better go, you know, meet with uh, Derek and some of the leaders there. Are you praying for me? Am I good for the week? You know, we, we don't get prayed for there and vicariously not have to pray. Church, the work of God to revive the church and draw in the community to salvation in Jesus involves everybody praying. Can I get a witness? Everybody's got to have a habit of prayer. So you got to look into your own heart and say, am I ready to engage in the habit of prayer? Here's a challenge. We're calling it the take five challenge. There's a bunch of little inserts out on a table in the lobby and we're asking the church, I'm asking the church to do the take five challenge, not the candy bar. Amen? Not the candy bar. This is a different challenge. I'm asking you to take five minutes every day this year to out loud verbally pray to God for five minutes a day and see what God might do in your life and in our church. I think God is waiting. I think he is waiting for his people to habitually pray. Now, will you miss a day? Probably. I'm probably calling it now. You're going to miss a day. I'll miss a day. But I'm asking you to take the challenge. And we made them like little bookmark sizes so you can put them in a book that you're reading, put them in your Bible, do whatever it takes. But may God give us this truth as a church to habitually pray. Truth number two is not only the habit of prayer, but the danger of prayer. Verse 5, Jesus said, You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus says, Don't pray like the hypocrites. The word hypocrite there is literally meaning an actor or a stage actor or a pretender. Jesus says, don't pray like a faker. Don't pray like an actor who's acting on a play. Pray differently than that. So he's laying out a danger for us. Here's a warning. When you pray to God, don't pray like the hypocrites. This word is used 17 times in the New Testament, and it is almost exclusively used towards the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Right? What was going on? J- Jesus was saying that the hypocrites were praying, but they were praying falsely. 
Well, what does that mean? It means they were praying exclusively in public places. Do you see that? In the synagogues and at the street corners. They were praying for what reason? To be seen by others. They were praying so that everybody could see them pray. And Jesus says, if you're praying only in public to be seen by others, you are praying like a hypocrite prays. Now, we need to be very careful because we are very prone to this. Before we start condemning all the Pharisees, you wicked Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're terrible. Why don't you be like us New Testament Christians who are awesome and humble all the time? We need to be careful. We are prone to pray like hypocrites. It is within our nature To have a sinful impulse to value the public over the private. We value pleasing man over pleasing God. That is within every one of our hearts this morning. We have this dangerous impulse to be hypocritical in order to do this. Well, if I pray, I guess I'll pray at the meals, right? For the kids, you know, I'll pray over them. And that'll be good, right? Maybe if I pray at small group, I hope I can pray well at small group. I hope I use the right phrases. I hope I say it the right way. I hope XYZ person in the circle, the prayer circle over there, doesn't judge me too bad for the words that I'm using. I hope hope I'm eloquent enough. I hope I pronounce my words right. I hope my vowels sound okay. I hope I use the right verbs when I pray. You can get all up in your head about praying and you can pray falsely because you get so involved in public praying that you forget to go private. You forget to get with God alone by yourself. And that's what Jesus is saying. The danger is if you are praying only publicly to be seen by others, you are praying dangerously. And nobody feels this more than pastors. I told the pastors this on Thursday at our pastor's meeting. Nobody has the temptation more than you, pastors, to pray falsely. Because we're on stage more, you're leading more ministries. And you ministry leaders in our church, I want to talk to you for a moment. You're on dangerous ground, potentially, because you are more tempted to pray publicly than you are privately. And Jesus said that this is hypocrisy and pride. It's like the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. Two guys go to church, the Pharisee and the tax collector. They go to worship God. The Pharisee, you remember his story. He stands up, he looks around, he's looking at everybody. He's praying out loud saying, God, man, I thank you that I tithe and I give all my money and I do all my stuff and I'm really obedient and look at this and I'm not like this horrific tax collector over here. He's horrible. And everybody's like, yeah, good prayer. That's a good prayer, man. Everybody at the temple is like, that guy is amazing. What's going on with the tax collector? He's beating his chest. He won't even look up to heaven. He prays silently to God. No one hears his prayer. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said only one of those two men went home justified in the eyes of God, and it was the tax collector. And I would just encourage you, don't play around with prayer. Don't be proud and hypocritical, and don't walk into the danger zone of prayer that doesn't connect with God. You must be aware of the danger that you have as a Christian regarding your prayer life. 
And I've noticed this public praying thing can bleed into our social media accounts. Can I get an amen? There's a lot of grandstanding and posting on social media about prayer and all this stuff. And I think that people post at times as a substitute for real prayer to God. I wish people would post less and pray more privately to God. This is a danger in our society and it's only getting worse as social media continues to thrive and grow. Truth number three of prayer is not only the danger, but the secrecy of prayer. Verse six, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Go into your room and shut the door. The word room there stands for storage room, secret room, closet. Basically, it means a room that won't be seen. I don't know about you, but growing up, I had one of these rooms in my mind that the the huge mansion I was going to build someday as a nine-year-old kid included a, a huge basement. And in that basement, there was a secret door that only I would know about. And it would go down into this labyrinth of of this amazing underground palace that would be underneath my house. That's how I thought as a nine-year-old, it totally didn't happen. (laughs) I guess I could still dream. Maybe in the new heavens and the new earth, maybe. But the idea that Jesus is talking about here is go to a storage room, go to a closet room, go to a room that is private, Get away in secret. Get into a hidden place, a concealed place to pray. Jesus is telling his believers to pray privately or in secret. This type of praying is opposite of the dangerous type of prayer. This, This prayer is incredibly private. Now, what is it about secret prayer? You know, what is it about that? Why do we struggle so much with that? Because here's... Here's what's within our sinful hearts. When we go privately to pray, we want to get some credit for for that prayer, right? We want to get some credit for that investment. Like I invested 30 minutes in prayer to God and I'm coming out and I want someone to recognize me for that. I prayed for an hour last week. I want someone to recognize me for that. And God says, no, your reward for secret prayer is me. I'm the reward of your prayer. I'm the reward of the time spent privately. You don't need your pastor to give you a hug and an attaboy or an girl. You don't need that really important person in your life to know that you prayed secretly for an hour last week. You don't need it because God is the reward of secret prayer. And secret, secret prayer is reflective of a healthy trust and reliance on God. If you really trust God and you're healthy in your trust of the Lord, you'll be okay with silent prayer because you know your God is the God of heaven and he's hearing you. Now, Andrew Murray, one of the great scholars and prayer warriors of an ancient past century, said this, Oh, let the place of secret prayer become to me the most beloved spot on earth. You know, this world is filled with hidden and concealed things. There's a lot of things hidden from our sight. There's a lot of things hidden from our knowledge right now. And Romans 2.16 says, On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. 
There will be a day when everything gets revealed. Do you know that? There's going to be a day when everything hidden in your life comes out. When everything hidden on this earth is going to come out. The judgment day of Christ. And all those things are going to be revealed. And one of the things that will be revealed in that day is your private prayer life. You know, right now, you can tell everybody what you want. You can inflate your numbers. You can inflate your stories right now. You can fool everybody about your prayer life, but there's one person you are not fooling, and that is God Almighty. Your private prayer life will be revealed, and it is one of the most important things about you as a Christian. Jesus says public blessings come from private pleadings with God. Jesus says public miracles come from private prayer times with God. There is a secrecy of prayer that is awesome and wonderful and beautiful. And I would just encourage you, encourage you this morning, do you have something burning in your soul? Like you got something like just burning inside of you that you really want to see happen? I would tell you right now, take it to your private closet with God. Some of you are just taking all your stuff publicly to everybody that you think can solve your problem. And if you got something burning inside your heart, you need to take it to your private prayer room. What about some of you who have like dreams for your life? You got big dreams. You got big things that you want to see happen in your life. You want to see big stuff happen. I would say take it to your private closet and pray to God. What about heavy burdens, anxiety that you're feeling? We live in the most anxious society in the history of modern history. You got anxiety, you got things bothering you, you got big time worries and fears and doubts. What do you do with those things? Go to a therapist? Maybe. Go to a counselor? Sure. Take medication? Okay. How about take it? to your private prayer closet and pray to God who knows what you're already thinking anyway. There is a secrecy of prayer and and church, I want us to be a church that prays in secret, that prays in prayer closets that are well-worn and well-used. Truth number four is the emptiness of prayer. Verse seven, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Jesus gives us another warning about prayer. Don't heap up empty phrases. The word empty phrases means to repeat the same things over and over again, to babble with idle words, okay? So people tend to babble when they pray, don't they? You just start babbling. I mean, I've done this a hundred times. Have you done this before? You start babbling. Like, and then you catch yourself like, sorry, Lord, I don't even know what I was talking about. Uh, sorry, coming back to center, back to center here. We're going to reset. So we've all babbled and used idle words. But the idea here is that some people lean on magic phrases that they think God might hear. He's a genie in the bottle. You just got to rub the, rub the lamp the right way. And man, if you do that enough, God is going to anoint your life with blessings and whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's babble. All right? It's like the persistent kid who says, can I have a, right? (laughs) Can you guys relate to me like on a parent level right now? This This is one of the most destructive phrases in family history right here. 
Can I have a, hey daddy, can I have a Snickers? Hey daddy, can I have this toy? Hey daddy, can I have this thing? Can I have this? Hey mom, can I have this thing? Hey mom, I re- can I have this? Can I have, 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 can I have? And the mom and the dad are just like, I am going to remove you from the earth. If you don't stop this phrase, can I have it, can I have it, can I have it? Some people pray like this. They pray to God, can I have this, can I have that, can I have this, can I have that, can I have this, can I have that? And they're just using phrases, hoping that at some point God wears thin and just be like, fine, whatever, you know? And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't heap up empty phrases like babblers do. Religious babble prayer is something that we're all accustomed to, and we must fight it with everything within our heart. We have to fight babble prayer. Okay, I'm not picking on Catholics, but I am saying, if I offend, sorry, not sorry, okay? I had to say all that stuff first. But Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of death, amen. What is that? All right? Empty phrases. In a lot, in 99.9% of Catholic life, that is an empty thing that you get assigned to you to pray so that you can be absolved of some sort of sin or guilt. All right? Now, before you get all jumping on Catholics, evangelicals have their own list of Babel prayers. Can I get an amen? We have these phrases that we go to all the time that we don't mean. And we say empty things. And I think Jesus is pulling us back and saying, powerful prayers are simple prayers from the heart. They don't have to take a long time to express, but they need to come from your heart to God in the name of Jesus Christ. So be careful about repetition. Be careful about saying the same things the exact same way every single time. And be careful of copying someone else's words when you pray. Be careful of hoping that you'll get some kind of blessing if you repeat X, Y, and Z person's prayer. Be careful. Jesus is trying to save you some prayer pain. By saying, don't heap up empty prayer phrases. Finally, truth number five is the security of prayer. Verse eight, don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. God knows what we need before we ask. The word need there means necessity or duty. God knows your necessities before you ask him. Can I get an amen for that? God knows your stuff before you even ask. God knows. Before you ask, before you talk, before you plead with God, Jesus wants you to know that God already knows what you need. Now, some of you in this audience might say, well, if God already knows what I need, then why do I even ask? You know, why do I even need to ask? If he already knows what I'm going to ask, isn't it a waste of my time? I'm not going to waste my time by praying if he already knows my stuff. Okay, listen. God knowing what you're going to ask for before you ask should not lead you to laziness. It should lead you to confidence in your prayer life. 
Jesus says there should be a security for the person who prays. Where you say, I know it's okay to humble myself. I know it's okay to verbalize what is on my heart because God already knows what I need. The security of prayer is God already knowing what you need. John Piper, again, said it this way. There is an infinite, unending security in the almightiness of God, no matter what happens in life. God is way ahead of you, so you can pray securely. He already knows what you need. He already knows what's up with you. He already knows what he's going to do in your life. And it's the sovereignty of God that is like the pillow you lay your head on when you pray. We rest in the sovereignty of God when we pray. And we find confidence that the Lord already knows. So you can safely pour out your heart before God in prayer because there is a security there. So as we close... Jesus gives us life-giving truths about prayer. The habit of prayer, the danger of prayer, the secrecy of prayer, the emptiness of prayer, and the security of prayer. Where are you at this morning? For many of you, you're Christians already. But I would encourage you to find one of these points and say, this is mine. This is where I need to work the most This is where I need to respond to God the most in my prayer life. And if you don't know Christ, what a good morning to pray for the first time and repent of your sins and ask Jesus to save you. This would be a great morning to do that and to pray the prayer of salvation. But you're going to have a couple minutes just to respond to God and Brandon's going to come up, play music while we do that. But whatever the Lord is leading you to do, responding is worship. Absolutely worship. So these are important minutes that you get. Let's take it to God in prayer and ask God to do a great work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and grace in our lives. Lord, we thank you for prayer. Lord, if we're honest, we're going to confess this morning that we don't pray enough, not nearly enough. Lord, every person in here has needs, has prayer requests, has desires. And yet, Lord, it's the insanity of our sin that we don't pray more. So, Lord, please forgive us for not praying, for not engaging you in prayer like we ought to. And God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that he prayed when we didn't. That he died on the cross for our sins when we wouldn't. Thank you that he rose again from the dead because we can't. And now he's waiting for us to pray. Jesus, you are waiting for us to pray to you. God, maybe for some it's a habit that needs to form. God, maybe for some it's secrecy. It's committing to secret prayer. God, you know the hearts of all mankind. You know the hearts of everybody in here. Lord, may our prayers rise to you as we respond. In Jesus' name.